rock and roll. The Texans go in front. They put on the helmet in pads. What's up, man? This is your teammate, number 57, Brennan Scarlett. And make the big plays. Down to the 10-yard line. What a play. Now it's time for Texans players to take you inside the game. I put a ton of pressure on myself. I want to be able to go out there and make the plays. And they'll take you outside the white lines, too. They want to listen to, you know, the slow songs, the R&B. And I'm like, you know, we got to go play football. Welcome to the Texans Players Show with your hosts, Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the Texans Players Show. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. It's a great week. And I'm Mark Vandermeer with D.P. Sidhu and Drew Doherty. Now, no official player appearances with current players. However, however, it's the holiday season, and we thought we'd bring in the holiday cheer big time this week with Travis Johnson. How's it going, El Jefe? What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> Mark, ADBA, Drew. Hey, it's great to have you on, my friend. And, uh, you know, I was, I was telling D.B. and Drew, is story time, and I was telling them that you and I did an hour on Monday nights in 2013 as oh, the yes. Texans were trudging through a 2-14 and 14 campaign. And I always rave about you. Like, that was a tough year, you know, obviously. It was unexpected. It was really bad record-wise. And you were terrific to have on. I mean, you were a lot of fun. You were very fair with the team. Uh, do you remember that well, or have you blocked it out because yeah, of psychological? Yeah, yeah no, I, I, you know, what's funny is uh, not only do I remember well, I also remember us being on that 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 uh, Black Monday when right after they fired Coob. And, mm. I mean, it was like we were supposed to have the Kubiak show for a little segment, and that got canceled, and, and right. it was us riding out. It was uh, supposed to be an hour. I think we ended up being on there for two hours because they canceled the show. Then we sat there and put up predictions. That was the day that the great Bambino, uh, Mark Vandermeer, predicted, I think, that we would hire Bill O'Brien. I wish you wouldn't have predicted that. You know, because uh, <laughs> I, I think and as, as, we, as we look, hindsight's 2020. Did we know that we'd be worse off in 2021 than we were in 2013? I don't think so. But, but do you – Go Do you ahead. look at it that way, though? I mean, we had success here for a while. We had four out of five did, divisional titles. I know you didn't get the big did success. We, <laughs> did, did we really, though, Mark? Like, when you think about it, he took over a winning team. So well, they were 2-14. The they were, yeah, they were 2-14 just that year. And why were they 2-14? Matt got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt was put on the bench. Coob um, had a stroke on the sideline. Yeah. Um, we can keep on going down the list of the reasons <laughs> why they were two and fourteen. So if yeah. we really look at it, uh Lord Voldemort inherited a real he inherited a real winning organization, a winning team, and all he had to do was not screw it up. But he had to wait, he had to wait four years for a quarterback, Travis. That was the problem. Well whose fault well whose fault is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's not our fault because guess what? If you remember, let's go back, DP. Okay. Let's rewind time. <laughs> you remember we had all of those? It, it was like the New England Texans of quarterback of the carousel of quarterback. But but Travis, we had the number one pick of that draft, and I know we covered all those draft picks. Mm. But it was like Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, uh, you Teddy. know. 
Bridgewater. There were a lot of quarterbacks, but, like, and, I mean, had we and, taken Blake Bortles, I think we would have still been worse. No, but here, I was, I was frustrated that we had to wait till day three to get Tom <laughs> Savage. I mean, I really thought the quarterback pick was going to come way sooner than that. And, but you're right. And, I mean, I – yes, the, the quarterback and you, situation was and I, and I wish that we had all of the uh, – the guys is in the studio right now to kind of pull up old tape. Because if you remember back then, Mark, at when we had around the time we were having this draft conversation on Sports Radio 610, I said, I would not use the number one overall pick on any of the guys that are here. I would trade down further into the top 10. Hopefully you go 10, anywhere from 8 to 10, you trade down to. Why? Because it'll gain you more picks. I know people don't want to hear this. I know they don't want to hear this name in the city of Houston again when it comes to quarterback play. <laughs> I, know I would have taken Derek Carr in the second round to be our quarterback for a long time to come. Because as we see, Derek Carr is more than efficient to do his job. You know, there's, uh, there's scouts in the building who some of them had him as the top quarterback in that draft for the Texans. So you're not alone in thinking highly of him, at least at that point. So, yeah. It was a possibility, but then Mark talked with Carr at the Combine. You remember this, Mark? Yep. He had com- uh, like a nice interview with him, and he said, yeah, I've talked with the Texans. And then I think a year or two later, when the Texans played the Raiders, Carr was like, they never talked with me. They never said anything. And there was kind of like a little mini controversy back then. And people were like, well, why didn't the Texans talk to Carr? And they, they did, but they just yep. went another route. I had them on tape saying they talked to him. You yeah. know, look, I, you know, guys say what they say, and sometimes they forget and everything. But, Travis, I'll tell you what, you know, if we're going to go hindsight 2020 here, and, and I do remember you saying stuff like that, and I think that Derek Carr at the time was going to be a tough sell to the general public. Uh, of course. It, it might have worked out well, uh, but it would have been a tough sell. And I, I do think Derek is good. Look, he's still in the league. He's still a starter in this league, and that was 2014, and here we are in 2020. And he did pretty well this year other than – Look, they have other issues on that football team as well. And you're right. He's not going to carry the team by himself. I thought Garoppolo top of the second round would, would have been an interesting pick for them at the time because that would have taken the pressure off first-round draft choice quarterback. And if you fail, if you fizzle out with a second-round guy, uh, you know, people are going to be more forgiving on that. It's not the franchise guy. Second-round guys are like Colt McCoy and people like that. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think if you were taking Garoppolo with with one of those picks, mm-hmm. hindsight now you're saying, okay, yeah, that would have been a great pick. It's Jimmy G. But I think a lot of the Jimmy G, uh, the, the folklore around him came from what? Playing with Tom Brady, being Tom Brady's backup, learning from uh, Tom Terrific. So yeah. I don't know how it would have turned out. The opinions expressed by Travis Johnson are not necessarily <laughs> those of the Houston Texans or Texans broadcast personnel. Okay, anyway, t- Travis. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> well I do think look I'll still be very happy with AFC South wins and getting into the playoffs and I do like that I'll never take that for granted so I'm grateful for those things but there were nine different starters at quarterback for Bill O'Brien and a lot of difference in shuffling and you know Hoyer in Hoyer out Mallet in Mallet out back to Hoyer Hoyer concussed you know that kind of stuff happened a bunch and finally we got Watson and here we are Travis in 2020 now You and I, I want to go back here to that 2013 season when you and I were doing that Monday night radio show, because at the time you and I had a debate, who's going to win a game between the 2013 Texans and the 2005 Texans that you were on? 
and that also went two and fourteen. And you actually made a pretty solid case that two thousand five could give the twenty thirteen team a heck of a game, particularly because of the quarterback situation in twenty thirteen. I remember that. Facts, facts, no question. I, I mean, not not just, not just because of not just because of the quarterback situation. I think, but because of the guys we had on that team, the guys. I, I mean, our offensive line. Yeah, they weren't as they didn't have as many big names on that offensive line, but I felt like we we lost a lot of we lost a lot of games, very tight games. We lost close games. If you go back to that, if you go back to that season, we lost to Baltimore on a fourth down. We lost to uh, St. Louis on an overtime by uh Fitzy. by the uh, by the pro skier. We lost uh we lost oh, yeah, all, sure all these games we lost were close tight games. So I, I mean I still not just but I think the quarterback play would have been the biggest difference. Because of how many guys, uh, because for one, David played pretty damn good uh, football at the time, to be honest with you. You know, so I, I really believe we probably could have won that game. Looking back now, was our O-line better? No. Was our D-line better? Uh, it's up in the air. I doubt it. But, you know, it. I mean, we no, we couldn't not. No, it's not up in the air. They had J.J. on that team. Both teams had a 99. Uh <laughs> Both yeah, both let me, let me think about this some more. Yes. Yeah, both teams have 99, and my, our 99 wasn't nowhere as good as this 99. So <laughs> definitely, this team had a better defensive line. Uh, receiving core, I don't know. That's up in the air. But I, 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 you know what? It's you can't. We can't dwell on the past, even yep. though that's what we're doing. But you know, it'd have been a great game to see if if, if it happened. Is this year's team better than its record? And I know you are what your record says you are, according to Bill Parcells. But this team is four and ten as we speak. Are they better than four and ten in your opinion? No question. Uh, I think when you have, you know, when you have a quarterback that is number four, and when you have guys on your team making, I, I think yes, you are. But I think a lot of stuff is is kind of hamstrung the team. And it's kind of out of their power. Travis, I totally understand where you're coming from. Like the retroactive anger <laughs> from fans in the city for what's happened. But when I look at organizations like the Browns, who now have double-digit wins this season, and they have really been disrespected and had so much turnover over the, over, over the past how many years, and now look at them, they're really building towards something. I feel like even with everything that's happened in the last few years, right, if you look at Deshaun Watson and you look at, some of the core players this team has. And I think it all starts with Deshaun, obviously. Because these other teams that may have the other talent but then don't have the quarterback, like look at the Texans in 2013. They had so much other talent. But Matt Schaub not being able to play at that level just torpedoed the entire Texan season. So it doesn't – at the end of the day, like as Drew always says, but who's your quarterback, Deshaun Watson? I feel like it's still a, it's still a desirable job here in Houston, the damage done by the previous regime, the next regime is not going to be held accountable for that. So they're going to get to stand on their own ground. But they have a quarterback. They know what they have in him, as it is. They have a left tackle. Um, they've got some cornerstones on that defense, but they've got the makings of a team that can go to the Super Bowl. So I feel like at least the body of a good team is there. It's not a total stripped-down, build-from-scratch sort of a thing. I don't know if that's what general managers are looking for, but at least you know you're not taking a chance on some rookie or a free agent, like, look at the Bears, what they did with Nick Foles. Like, it just – the Jaguars, it just never has worked out for them at quarterback. At least D that's one thing that the Texans don't have to worry about. I'm trying D to see D silver D linings. There's, 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 there, D.B., there's no way 
that you believe that the next regime is not going to be judged by what this regime has done. Because if you look, you just mentioned I the don't. Browns. No, I don't. Here, I, here, I don't. You, you look at the Browns. The Browns fired, they fired Hugh Jackson based on what the, the guy before him did. They fired this last coach based on what they, like, what they didn't have. I mean, when you look at it, should Hugh Jackson have been fired? Should Rob Chizinski, a Miami native, and I find myself cringing because I'm fighting for Rob Chizinski? Should Rob Chizinski have been fired from the DeBrown job? Those no. are all different situations, though, I think. <laughs> they're all different, they're all different but, but, situations, Mark. But this but is like – this is a fresh start. It's fresh head coach, fresh GM, which I think in – just in situations around the league, I think if you fire one, you should fire the other for that same reason, because it's kind of hard to say that was a GM decision. That was a head coach decision. Like it gets kind of murky, but now it's like you've, you've divorced yourself from both in, in this instance, the one person, and then you move, and then you move on, on both fronts. Right. I do think Travis, I do, th- you know, DP brought up the point and Drew always brings it up the quarterback. Okay. So no matter what happens here, you do have a new regime starting, and there is stuff to clean up and straighten out and change and adjust, but you've got the guy. I mean, that's got to make us all feel pretty good, right, that we've got the guy, and he's certainly one of the top five, if not higher, guys in the league? Oh, I mean, of course it makes us feel good. I mean, when you when you look at – I mean, and I'm not a gambling man, but if you were to gamble on any team, any game, the first thing you do is say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my money where the better quarterback is. And if you have Deshaun Watson, you always have a puncher's chance. You always have a chance to win the game with a guy like number four back there. You know, uh, and, and it's, I mean, it's funny because you remember the first thing that uh, that Dabo Swinney called him when he came out of, out of college. He's Michael Jordan. He's Michael Jordan. There'll be guys that pass up on him. There'll be guys, there'll be, there'll be uh, the, the, the Sam Bowies that'll go before him, a.k.a. Mitch Trubisky. You know what I'm saying? And they, they, they'll never compare. So as long as four is here, we always have a chance. So with everything he's done this year and the way he's played, does that just kind of confound you even more that this team has only won four games? I mean, he's he's played at such a high level. Well, I mean, it it, it, it baffles me, I think. But I think, it, I think it goes to show that you need other people around him. You know, I think it goes to show that, I mean, no matter how good your quarterback is playing, if you don't have anything around you, you can't be successful. You know, you it just, it just can't happen. And, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. There, it's rare that you'll get a Tom Brady who has a bunch of no-name guys around him play well. You know, when Tom started looking like he had a chink in the armor, why? Because the guys around him stopped being, stopped being uh, reliable as they've been for years to come. And now, and you saw him. You saw him look like he was like he was weakened. You know what I mean? You saw Superman uh, with the kryptonite uh, against him. So, I I feel bad for Deshaun because we can we can because Deshaun might end up like Andre, to where when his career is all said and done. And I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I see everybody You're the Grim Reaper. Head. We're Stop. all like shaking our head. No, Travis, no, Travis, yeah, no. I'm just saying, no. Unless, <laughs> but unless, unless we figure it out quick, Deshaun will be Andre Johnson, where he'd say, what could have been if we would have put the right pieces around him? Right. You don't want to waste these years. There's no question. I no. think, and, and I think that's what Cal McNair felt, that, okay, last year went to the playoffs, beat Buffalo, good, let's reload or retool, whatever, and then – 
this year, 0-4, obviously there's some issues in, in the building and stuff maybe we'll never know, but Cal McNair decides let's pull the plug right now because he doesn't want to waste a year with Deshaun Watson, no matter how many years you have. What is it, 10, 15? What no, is you less can't. Than that? I mean, you have to absolutely cash in there. Uh, tell me about this defense, though, because, Travis, they're not getting takeaways. Look, they do have some moments. There's no doubt. I mean, you had the ball late against the Colts twice. Uh, you played better in the second half the first time against them. The Bears game was just one of those games. But I've seen some moments from them, but they just don't get turnovers. And that's got to be so frustrating for them. How do you turn that around? What are they feeling right now? Take me inside their heads because you've been in situations where you're playing well as a team and you're not playing well as a team. So what are they feeling right now? Well, I mean, of, of course they feel they feel like they're letting the team down. I mean, they're playing solid. Are they making anything? Are they doing anything that you say is is extraordinary? No, but at the same time, you know, uh, they got to figure out a manufacture pass rush. They got to figure out a manufacture pass rush. When you look at JJ, you got to say, man, how do we get JJ going? How do we keep him going? Zach Cunningham, he's a he's big in in uh against you know in in the coverage. It's a bunch of things. We got what's our young what's the young guy or not young guy? He bounced around the league. Uh, Terrell Adams. Terrell yeah. Adams. Terrell Adams is a guy who has played phenomenal for us. You know, and this is what his fourth team he's been on. He's found a home. He's he's making plays time and time again. If everybody goes at it the way he goes at it, then we I think it, it can be all right. But at the same time, you got to remember, this is a new defense. With with Weaver as was with Weaver as the defensive coordinator, and I feel bad for my brother because I know he wants it so bad for these guys to make plays, these guys to make turnovers, and sometimes it, it, sometimes you just have to. If they haven't bought in, it takes one or two things to get it to start clicking, and hopefully with this with only a couple weeks left on the season, that these guys figure it out and say, you know what, let's figure it out before next season. The guy, we're playing for our jobs. We're playing for our jobs. Not only are coaches playing for their jobs, but the players. They're playing to make sure they don't get they don't get replaced next year. Travis, you bring up Anthony Weaver. I, I totally agree with you. Like it's just not a fair shake for him as first year as defensive coordinator. They've had so many injuries. They've had the secondary has just been like this rotation of guys that keeps changing week after week. But a few weeks ago, he said that after the bye week or during the bye week, they simplified their scheme a little bit, and that's why they were playing a little bit better. They got some big wins, obviously Detroit, the Patriots, and that seemed to work for them. Did you notice that? And what is it about you know? For defensive coordinators, like when they have to know when to dial it back and when they can add more to a player's plate, does it have to do with experience? Does it have to do with how long all the guys have been playing together? You know, what goes into that well, decision? Well, I, I think uh, one, I think it has to do with experience, and two, I think it has to do with how many when we turn the film on, how many MAs or MEs, you know, miss assignments or uh, or you know, uh, miss effort or whatever whatever they call it, how many miss assignments has 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 gone on in the game. And when you sit there and you dial it up and you say, okay, let's, let's go self-scout. You say, guys are missing assignments. It's not, it's not simple things. It's stuff that it's too much. It's too much indecision going on. It's saying, okay, if I, if I get this, I'm supposed to have this. It, it starts to go to the rules of the defense. And when I say rules of the defense, there is for every play, there are a certain set of rules that you'll get, especially on the back end. The back end, that's why a lot of those guys got to play with each other for a while. They have to communicate well. You have to have a good communicator. That's why you see That's why you see players like uh, Tyron Matthew, why he's been so successful, because he's so vocal. He's so 
uh, he's such a great communicator back there that everybody gets on the same level. And if you don't have guys that get on the same level, you know, uh, what's funny is Mickey Andrews, who I played for in college, Mickey used to always say, listen, if we're, if, if, if we're going to be in the wrong defense and have a missed assignment, let us all be in the same wrong defense. You know what I mean? Like, let us all – because if we're all playing the same defense, we can be successful that way. But we yeah. can't be having two, three different defenses being played on the same play because that's when you get busts. That's when you get uh, things where guys hit their head on the goalposts. That's when you get the things you don't want. So I think a lot of stuff, when you start having to dumb down a defense or bring down uh, some of the things that, that are going on, I think most of the time it has to do with how long the guys play, play together and how many misassignments are they having on Sundays. If they're having misassignments or indecisiveness, then they're saying, let's make, let, let's make some changes. I love the Mickey Andrews quote, and we want to get into that. Florida State history, college football reaction. Also, the Mercari-Texas Bowl coming up. Travis's reaction to the matchup. It's all happening here on the Texans Players Show on Texans Radio. Keep it here for more of the Texans Players Show, right here on Texans Radio. From annual checkups to managing chronic conditions, taking care of your health should always be a priority. At Houston Methodist, our primary care doctors are available to provide personalized care for you and your family safely. We offer a variety of convenient ways to get care from us, from same-day sick visits to extended hours at select locations. And we are taking every precaution to keep you safe during your visit. Choose your doctor or schedule online at HoustonMethodist.org slash stay healthy. Today tastes like game day at home, like assigned couch seating, (laughs) tastes like coffee table dining, and an ice cold Coke to cool down the heat. It tastes like the game you've waited for all week with friends you've known your whole life. (laughs) Today tastes like watching football is supposed to, and it never tasted this good. Coca-Cola, together tastes better. Together tastes better. Together. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation helps power cleaner electricity, enables access to food, education, and healthcare, and connects us to those we love. Apache is committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. It's the Texans Player Show. Mark Vandermeer, DB Sidhu with you with Travis Johnson. And you brought up the Mickey Andrews quote. I love that. If we're not – wait, what was it again? If somebody's going to be in the wrong gonna, defense, let's all be in the wrong defense. That's beautiful. Let's all be in the same wrong defense. Same, same wrong, defense. wrong defense. Yeah, because if – all right, if somebody's going to play man, let's all play man, even though I called zone, <laughs> right? <laughs> no question. a shot of making a play. <laughs> That's pretty funny. All right, so Travis, uh, let's. Uh, this is the segment where we get into a player's life a little bit. So uh, I know you've told the story a little bit, but you know you're from California, right? And you go to Florida State. Yep. So how does that yep. happen? I mean, there's some really gorgeous places to go play college football on the West Coast, but whoop, you go to Tallahassee, and look, Florida State when you went was it's always been a great program, or you know traditionally in the modern era, so to speak. But it was flying high. I mean. They, I think people forget 
how many top five finishes they had in a row. It was ridiculous what Bobby Bowden was putting yeah. together. I'm sure the success played a part. What was the story there? Well, I mean, uh, for one, USC, I, I loved – I mean, I was, I was on UCLA's campus and USC's campus from the time I was 14 years old. But, uh, you know, it was one of those things where everybody went home. Everybody stayed there. Everybody went, went to USC, UCLA. And when Coach Bowden came, he told me I'd, I'd, I'd be third team. I'd probably never start. And told me, I recruited you last year. I recruited you the year before. And I'm going to recruit you next year. But he said, I'm, I keep recruiting the top guys. So if you ever play here, it'll be all up to sweat of your brow. You know, it ought to be all, all of your hard work. And everybody I knew was like, don't go. Let's not go there. My cousin was like, let's go to Notre Dame. I'm like, listen, I'm not going to Notre Dame. It's too cold over there. I want to go to Michigan. Uh, my roommate, Brian McFadden, didn't want to go to Michigan because uh, he said it was too cold. And so I said, you know what? I was driving to school that day, and I remember seeing the back of a, a, a truck that had the simulator. I said, oh, it must be a sign. And, but it just, to me, it was a challenge, man. It just was, for everything it was, it was something different. Nobody had done it before. Nobody was going from California, Los Angeles, all the way over to the West Coast. I mean, all the way over to uh, Tallahassee, which is 2,854 miles from my house. So it was, in order to be the man I wanted to be, I had to be away from the house. I had to understand what it's like to have $100 left in your, in your bank account and 29, and 29 days left in the month. What's it like to do your laundry? What's it, all of that. So it was, it was, a, it was an eventful time, man. It was, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, can you envision yourself back then that one day you would have just lived and settled in Houston, Texas of all places? Did you ever envision yourself living in Texas? No. Going to school in Texas? Was no. that even a possibility? Well, you know what? Uh, A&M did, A&M recruited me, uh, which was, um, not Fra was it Francione? It was Francione or uh, R.C. Slocum. It was, it was Slocum. Slocum. It was Slocum. Slocum recruited me. And, you know, what's funny was his, uh, his son, R.C. Slocum Jr., was, uh, was on the staff with uh, Paul, but, Hackett. Um, Paul Hackett. Hackett. Yeah. Yeah, so Paul Hackett. So he was on Paul. He was on Coach Robinson and Paul Hackett's staff. And I remember it was funny because they, they took me to the Laker game. I remember R.C. I remember uh, Slocum Jr. like, hey, man, my dad called me and said, man, are you coming? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to A&M. Like, I don't like that part of the country. Like, I don't know nothing about it, you know, but uh, I, I looked at him for a little bit because a lot of guys that I knew from the West Coast, you got to remember, was coming was coming to Texas to play at A&M. Mm -hmm. You know, you had uh, Joe Weber, who was one of the top guys, came out, played at A&M. Um, uh, Sammy Parker, not Sammy Parker, what was uh, Sir Parker, was from the West Coast. Uh, There's a few guys that came to A&M, so I thought about it. But for me, it was always, if I left home, it would be either to go to Florida State, Miami, uh, Michigan, or Tennessee. You know, those are the only, you know, the only reason Miami was on my list, the DJ wouldn't let me take them off my list. Travis Johnson joining us here on the Texans Players Show. Okay, Mickey Andrews, you brought him up. He was the defensive coordinator then. But give me some Bobby Bowden stuff, all right? I I've got a great Bobby Bowden quote right here, uh, and it doesn't really apply to what we're talking about, but th this is so good to remember. The good old days weren't so good when you were sitting in a dentist chair. I love that one. All right, Bobby Bowden's got a million of them, and I know that when he gets into a living room, it is over. You are going to Florida State. What was it like to be around Bowden? 
Well, I mean, Coach Bowden was he was a he was a good man. He was soft spoken, but he I mean he always had so he always believed so kind of like the reason like when I speak to crowds now, I always the one thing I always take from Coach Bowden is start with a joke. Always start with a joke. And he always started with it, no matter if it was talking about his age, anything. He always started with a joke. And he was one of the most, if you ever sat around him and just talked with him, he was one of the most, the funny, like he was almost like talking to your grandfather. Mm-hmm. Where he's a funny old man. He wanted you to work hard. But he would, every now and then, he would try to jump in your, he would try to jump down your throat for something you did. And I remember we got in a fight, an offense-defense fight. And Coach Bob is up in his tower, and he comes out and says, y'all want to fight? And he starts making us do up-downs. <laughs> and they were like the easiest up-downs we'd ever done in our life. He's like, belly, beat, belly, beat. And we were like sitting down there waiting. But it was almost a ritual to allow freshmen. So on the practice fields, Mark, I don't know if you remember. Ever, if, I, know, I know you've been to Tallahassee, but there right. we used to have practice field DP where we really only had one shade tree. <laughs> that cut, that was on, okay. the, on the practice field that gave you shade. And that's how Marvin Jones got the nickname Shade Tree. Running a, <laughs> running a sprint and then, he, then he went underneath the shade tree, right? So, but a lot of the guys uh, would come in and stand under Coach Bowden's tower because it allowed, because when the sun started to set on the backside, it was the only place to find shade. Mm. But Coach Bowden would sit up there chewing his red man and spinning off the, top, off the, off the tower. So, you literally would sit under there and the guys would be like, all of the veterans are in the heat. And everybody's like, why y'all not standing in the shade? And you sit there, and all of a sudden, you got your helmet on. And just, like, <laughs> so gross. And it's tobacco spit hitting all on your helmet. Oh, that is so but good. It, it, is was so like a, it was like a rite of passage to be able to, to, be able to sit under that tower and get spit on by Coach Brown. Oh. But um, you know what? When he came to the neighborhood, I remember he came in a big body bands. And he sit he sits in his bins, his feet propped up in the back. The whole neighborhood comes out because they see this old man and everybody wanted to talk to him. I mean, people who weren't even fans wanted to talk to him. And they just was it was one of those things where he comes in there, he eats your mother's food. I'm like, I don't care if he like if you if your mother can't cook, he's still gonna eat it. Right. Uh but he doesn't forget anything. You know, my sister was uh, a poet. You know, she did a lot of poetry stuff. She was going to Harvard, all of this stuff. And to this day, when I see Coach Bowden, he asked me about my sister. Did your sister write that poetry? She was always a smart one. Why couldn't you be smart like her? You know, and I'm like, uh, Coach, she went to Harvard. If I would have had Harvard, I wouldn't have <laughs> to play for you. You wouldn't have gone. It was too cold. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, Travis, at the end of the uh, 2000 season, when the Hurricanes should have played the national championship against Oklahoma, uh, but were unable to because of the computer poll. Look, it was hard not to, it, not to um, reduce my anger to Bobby Bowden because he was so nice about it. He said, I know Miami beat us, but the doggone computer says we need to go. <laughs> and he's just such a nice guy. And I just thought, oh, boy, what are we going to do about that? We can't do anything about it. But, I mean, you know what? Y'all, I will say this. Mm-hmm. If we had – if we would have had Snoop Menace, mm-hmm. we win the game. If, yeah. Mar- if, if Mark Rick doesn't take that job in Georgia, 
we win the game. That's it. I, I thought the same thing. I said it was Rick having exoditis because he was on his way to Georgia. And look, what wait, it was like 13 to 7. What was the score? It was a low scoring game? The score game? was 10 to 2. Oh, 13 my. to 2. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh, my. And if you guys win, then the Hurricanes are going to win the AP poll. The, we, so, we, split the, we split the national championship that year. And this, this is what I want to get into with you next a little bit. Uh, I was down with those kinds of things back in the day, especially now that this year we have this big debate and people are a- acting like this is the first time this has ever happened. I'm thinking, hello, this is the history of college football playing out. History, exactly. It, it is. All right, so let's get into that next here on the Texans Players Show with Travis Johnson on Texans Radio. Travis Johnson on Texans. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation helps power cleaner electricity, enables access to food, education, and healthcare, and connects us to those we love. Apache is committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. Get the inside scoop on the game straight from the players. It's the Texans Players Show. It's the Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer, DP City with Travis Johnson. Drew Doherty will be along for Texans All-Axis. And, Travis, we were just going into the break and talking about college football and that there's a big debate about Texas A&M. Should they have gotten in? Should Notre Dame be in at all? Ohio State, should they be in because they didn't play enough games? First of all, let me get your reaction to this current debate going on with this Final Four in college football during this COVID year. Well, I mean, for one, Texas A&M deserves to be in the in the Final Four, not because not just because I'm an honorary Aggie, but <laughs> I mean, the thing is that they played the only team that they've lost to is Alabama. They played Alabama the second game of the season, right? And if they play Alabama later on in the season at A&M, I think it's a whole different result than 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 what it ended up becoming. Um, when you think about uh, when you think about uh, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I don't like Notre Dame at all. Why? Because in my opinion, Notre Dame has been embarrassed on every single level at every single time they've been in BCS. I tell people, you know what? Me and Sap got in this argument the other day about the fact that uh, Notre Dame hasn't been they, they've been they've been suffering from the TJ Hushmanzada and Chad Johnson itis since the uh, since the 2001 Fiesta Bowl where they embarrassed them on national TV, and they continue to – and every time they play in a big one of these bowl games, they continue to get embarrassed. And for a big uh, for a big university, it pisses me off. And I think everybody continues to put them there because of their following. But we all know that they can't recruit the same type of speed that everybody else can. They can't recruit the same type of uh, athlete that everybody else can. Why? I don't know. But guess what? It always, mean, it always shows its ugly head when it comes time. Ohio State. You haven't played enough games. Six games, I don't care who you are. Six games is not enough games to qualify you for the playoffs. Why? Because they had to deal with too much. Two months, two and a half months of of COVID stuff, of, or really not, yeah, I mean, you're talking 10, 15 weeks of everybody trying to keep their team on the field. Trying, uh, Clemson going to have to play a game without their quarterback. Uh, and you, the list can go on and on and on about the things that have made each one of these teams successful. But now you're talking about a team that just started playing 
a month and a half ago, six weeks. Now, all of a sudden, you don't have to deal with any of those injuries. You got fresh legs. It's not fair to anybody that's been doing it from the beginning. And I don't believe that they should allow them. And I believe that the, the, the stuff that was put in place from the beginning was to be against this. And lo and behold, because they love Ohio State and they're, and they're sticking draws, that they were allowed Ohio State in here with only six games. And I think that's absurd. I just think the whole way that they handled the Big Ten wanting to re-enter this college football season was strange. I mean, the first the Big Ten was out, and then they lobbied. They got themselves back in. And I remember thinking, okay, well, they're probably not going to be eligible for the college football playoffs because their season now doesn't line up with everyone else's season. This is going to be such a huge disadvantage, and yet Ohio State still makes it in. Meanwhile, Texas A&M, I think maybe it's because we live in Texas, and so we just I see it more or I hear about it more. Maybe it's because I'm married to an Aggie. I don't know, but – the dis- what do you think of the disrespect or is there disrespect shown to Texas A&M? Because it does seem like, and, and I saw this joke on Twitter, that whenever ESPN puts up a graphic that is favorable to Texas A&M, they just sort of gloss right over it and they don't highlight anything good that Texas A&M is doing. Does Texas A&M not have as big of a following? I mean, I would think this is a pretty think, big market. Texas A&M is the redheaded stepchild for college football, especially in the state of Texas. So when you, oh, think of te- when you think of the state of Texas, you look at Texas and say, oh, I'm a Longhorn. But when, when it's all said and done, it is – I mean, the Aggies still have a great program. But even more, I think ESPN hates Jimbo Fisher with a different type of passion. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is because I think it goes back to his time with Jameis Winston. It goes back to a lot of things that went on there. But I also say this. Dabo Swinney is scared of Jimbo Fisher. Whatever whatever they want to say, however you want to say it, Dabo Sweeney didn't want any part of Texas A&M in this playoffs. Because if he has to see Jimbo Fisher, he knows when Jimbo is on, I can't beat Jimbo Fisher. I don't care what what it is. You as, a, know Sem- you as a Seminole, are you, do you like Jimbo or do you resent him for leaving? How do you feel about I Jimbo? I love Jimbo Fisher. That is my guy, hmm. 100 grand. I, I love Jimbo. Love him to death. Mm-hmm. Talk to Jimbo all the time. Why? Because Jimbo's a real dude. Like, he is just – I don't blame him for leaving Florida State. I blame Florida State for Jimbo leaving. Why and is that? Because they wouldn't give him what he asked for. Hmm. And if you would have just given the man what he asked for, we wouldn't be in the problems we have right now. How if you would have gave him his stand- – huh? Go ahead. How are Florida State's facilities? How, how are the Seminole facilities now? How do they match up? It's the same to match up to A&M. Or to yeah, A&M something, I get it. But, like, to the average of the top schools. <laughs> Florida State, we still – listen, we are stuck in – we. hey, you know what, Mark? You mentioned the 15 straight years of top five finishes. Mm-hmm. We're stuck in those times. Oh. We're stuck in those times where the problem with Florida State is Coach Bowden, as much as I love him, he's a part of the problem because he won so much with so little. That they yeah. feel like we don't have to pay. We won for all these years without paying. We won for all these years without doing anything. And then when Jimbo wins a national championship without anything, and he literally used to have, he used to have to beg, borrow, steal, and curse out everybody and their mama to get the indoor facility because every year we would miss – we missed a practice, an average of practice a week because right. of the storms in Florida. You already know how it is in Florida. Oh, yeah. You get lightning. You get rain. No practice. You're done. 
you're done. You got to go inside. And now what you're a trying week. to wait it out. Exactly. The whole entire thing, DP, to where we used to practice in the gym. We used to move the volleyball girls to the other side of the gym and say, all right, let's go practice in the gym. On the hardwood floors? Oh, yeah. On the yeah. hardwood floor. Put sneakers on. Let's go. You know, it, it's so funny because I was there at, like, all right, I was two years old. In the mid-'90s, I was there doing baseball in the regionals at Dick Hauser Stadium. I was with Central Michigan. So I saw all the practice facilities then. I go back about six years later. Now I'm with Miami. And Doak Campbell Stadium, it's awesome. It's an awesome facility. Bobby Bowden has a studio. I mean, it's great. And I guess they really haven't done much to it since then, and that's the problem. And, you know, your story about Bowden and his tower and spitting uh, tobacco on the <laughs> – you know, inadvertently on some of the players trying to get shade. I guess they're still stuck in that time, you know, and it's, they it's are, hard to they, let go. And, and they, they are. And when I tell you, I mean, right now our defensive line coach is one of the best defensive line coaches in all of America. Mm -hmm. And he might be the lowest paid power five defensive line coach in the entire, like, Jim, like right now, Odell Higgins is making half a million dollars a year. Alabama offered this man $900,000 to come to Alabama. And he stayed in Tallahassee. Why? Because he played there. He's been there forever. Jimbo offered him eight hundred and fifty grand to come be his defensive line coach. He stayed there. But what? He's still stuck in Tallahassee. Our coaches aren't paid much. And you know what? It just and – and, and I told the boosters, when we fired Willie Taggart, I said, hire Odell. You're not going to have to pay him what you would have to pay a regular coach, but it will give you a, a, a little bit of a stopgap to find the coach that you want, to find the coach that you really have to have. Mm -hmm. And you're going to spend a lot. You're, you're going to give Odell two, three million dollars to be the head coach and let him spend the rest of it on assistant coaches. You know what I'm saying? To be able to build the best assistant coaches to have money can buy. A lot of people listening now are saying, how do I become a defensive line coach? Anyway, <laughs> Travis, we could go for hours. You're the best. Really enjoy speaking with you. I and, appreciate uh, you guys. I mean, you know what, Mark? I just hope that, and DB, I hope that we finally get this thing right. I mean, this group that they put together, Cal's put together, is, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic of all the guys that are in it. And, you know, uh, some of the things that I, some of the things that I'm, seeing from the outside looking in, I'm very proud of. And I'm I'm hoping that if certain names get get a run to be able to be our next GM. You know, uh the Brandon Hunts, uh there's another guy in in in, in Philly that's that's a pretty good guy. Uh I, I really want guy I want I need we need young blood. You know, we need young blood in the building and I don't want I don't want to kick the tires on the same old names that they do every year. Because I think in order for us to go to another level as a Texans organization, we have to get new people in here. We have to get new blood, new scouting department from top to bottom. And I think from this group that Cal has put together and Hannah's put together, Ms. Janice has put together, I really believe that we can take it to another level and be the Texans that we all expect us to be. You know, so I'm, ex I'm excited. I don't know about everybody else. I hope the fans are just as excited as I am. That sounds beautiful. Thanks so much, Travis. I Travis you. Johnson. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, DP. All right. Great to have him on. Travis Johnson here on the Texans Players Show. Texans All Access on the way. Thanks for listening. It's Texans Radio. This is Texans Radio.
What do you call a group of friends who spend every Sunday huddled around the TV for hours, wearing horns on their heads and blue and red paint on their faces, jumping with a Miller Lite in one hand and a hot barbecue short rib in the other, while proudly chanting, we are Texans. You call it Miller time in Houston. Here's to the Texans. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2020 Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Telemundo Houston is number one for breaking news, weather, entertainment, and sports. Tune in every Sunday night for Houston Texans Primero EDS for complete game highlights. Upcoming game analysis, plus exclusive interviews all season long with Houston's most experienced sports team. Tune in every Sunday night for Houston Texans Telemundo Houston y Domina Acción, exclusive Spanish home of the Houston Texans.